Namaste, yogis and friends. I'm Kino McGregor. And I'm Tim Feldman. And we would like to welcome you to Miami Life Center's podcast. I'll just sing this, uh, I'll recite this uh, uh, Patanjali mantra first, and then we'll do it together after that. <coughs> Om Yogena Chitasya Padena Vacham Malam Jarira Shatyavaityakena Yopakarotam Pravaram Muninam Patanjalim Pranjali Rana Toshmi Om Pidat me Om Yogena Chitasya Padena Vacham Malam Sharira Shacha Vaidyakena Malam Sharira Shacha Vaidyakena Malam Sharira Shacha Vaidyakena Yopakarotam Pravaram Muninam Patanjalim Pranjali Ranatoshmi Super, very good. John, you can have one also. All right. So let's see. Um, so here's what I would like to do. I'd like to take us up to the second book. Just like finish the first book. We are at the thir 30th Sutra and there is 51. So that should be possible, we hope. All right. <coughs> so uh, let me see. So yesterday we spoke about a lot of stuff. There was really some heavy-duty uh, yogic philosophical note, no, notions that we went over in, in 100 miles per hour. Yeah. So <coughs> we spoke about what practice is. We defined that with little help from Patanjali. We, talk, we spoke about the five mindsets, tools that helps us establish practice, Shraddha, Virya, Smriti, Samadhi, uh, Prajna, Purvaka. Uh, yeah, you remember? And then we spoke about <coughs> how that leads to Samadhi, how that works, how that helps us uh, towards Samadhi. We spoke about what Samadhi is. We'll talk more about that today. Um, then we spoke about the philosophical um, principles of Purusha and Prakriti. We spoke about the conjunction, the misidentification of, of uh, the mind, of the chitta, um, that believes that it is the Purusha. Remember that? And we'll go a little bit more into that today. <coughs> we spoke about that the chitta has three types, that the chitta, that mind, is of three types, buddhi, ahamkara, and manas, and what the difference kind of was between those. We speak, spoke about what karma is. Um, and we spoke about, we touched on what Klesha is, and finally we spoke about what Ishvara, I, Ishvara is, and uh, the attributes to Ishvara. Whew. All in one hour. Oh, it was a little more than an hour, right? But <coughs> that was a lot. 
So um, the thing is, and one of the reasons that I'm trying, that I'm just like pushing through and and brushing through this whole thing like this, is because each of these subjects we could talk about for the entire week. You know, like it is. It is very possible. So <clears throat> I just wanted to kind of like throw it out there f and hopefully there will be, hopefully there's some interest or, wow. Thank you. This is why there's a photo on the wall with you and Carlos where he wrote, here's a photo of me with this sweet one from Miami Life Center. <laughs> Thank you so much. The rest of us, we're not the sweet ones. No. She's Sukha and the rest of us, we're Dukkha. So. <laughs> okay. All right. <clears throat> so, uh, now the last thing that we were talking about yesterday, the last thing that, that Patanjali mentions in 129 was that from practice or surrender to Ishvara, we have the possibility to find the path back to who we truly are to cut the misidentification, to clarify the conjunction. Um, and uh, by doing that, all the disturbances, the obstacles, they fall away. And when they fall away, when they are overcome, then we become enlightened, just like in the same way as we spoke. Someone is calling me on my computer. That's not fair. <laughs> all right. So. <coughs> um, I, I promise I turn my phone off. So, <laughs> uh, s s s uh, so just like as that example, that um, when s when you you lift a heavy burden away f from a guy that has been uh, walking around with it, he gets liberated. That is basically the 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 analogy of liberation in yoga. Okay. Okay. So then the question is. What the heck is the disturbances? Which disturbances is it? What burden is it that is going to be lifted away from us so we can become enlightened? And to that, Patanjali says uh, in 1.30, I'll just read it out loud and then let's go over that um, uh, word by word. Vyaristhyana samsaya pramara alasya avirati branti darshana alapta bhumi katva anavasti tattvani chitta vikshepa aste antarayaha. Shall we just do it in one or shall we do word by word? Wait, no. <laughs> okay. First word. Vyadi. Stiana. Samsaya. Pramada. Alasya. Avirati. Branti. Darshane. Alapta. Bhumi katva. Anavastitat. Twani. Chitta, Vikshepa, Aste, Antarayaha. Okay, good, very good. So Antaraya means disturbances and uh, Chitta uh, means uh, mind and Vikshepa means scattered. So by the uh, disturbances, the mind becomes scattered. <coughs> so that is uh, kind of the new word here. That is Chitta Vikshepa, the scattered mind as an expression of what we absolutely don't want, what is not going to work very well for us. When the mind is everywhere, nothing is possible. Yeah, uh, that is the crazy mind. That is what we also call the monkey mind. <coughs> okay, 
So these are the nine distractions. So on any journey, obstacles are to be expected. Yeah, <coughs> the perfect example is uh, uh, when I, when my uh, late father, when he was driving, he was unable to accept that there was other cars on the road. <laughs> so one time he came and he picked me up in his car and we were in the middle of Copenhagen. And then I lived on a very quiet street, so there was no cars there. So we drove to like the main street and we came to this T-junction and there was other cars coming this way and coming that way. And there was to great distress from my father. He started to swear, like, oh, look at him. He's like driving there, like, and like, no, oh, I cannot get over there. And, like, and I, at some moment I was thinking, this is a street, you know, it's like, I, I really respect my father, but that is not very um, useful state of mind. You know, like, I, did he expect to have the whole city for himself? You know, and so, uh, you know, <coughs> yes. Bless his soul. So, the nine kinds of distractions that are naturally occurring, that, will you, that you will meet if you have a body, if you have a life, you will meet these uh, uh, naturally occurring uh, distractions. <clears throat> so the first one is disease and illness. There will be something like that. There will be strain, there will be your body and your mind will in some way um, not always be in its perfect uh, uh, condition. Maybe it's just a cold, maybe it's uh, the after effect of a huge car accident, Maybe you're born with scoliosis, you know, maybe you're born with one leg only, <coughs> you know, maybe you have tendency to depression, maybe, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Maybe you're arrogant of nature, you know, that kind of stuff. That would all be called, uh, 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 fall under diseases and illnesses. Then the, other, the next one uh, in line here is mental dullness, that the mind is just kind of dull. It's just a little bit of sleep. And it's just like not really waking up, and it's not uh, uh, noticing when a significant piece of information comes along, and so forth. Yeah. Uh, another one is doubt, and they kind of fall. They come a little bit in that uh, in that order also. So doubt would not be um, curious inquiry. You know, it's like, hmm, could that really be true? Hmm. So uh, um, David uh, uh, said that he is a, a secret agent in the CIA. Hmm. He said that. You know, is that really true? You know, it's it's not like that kind of curious, you know, natural skepticism. It is doubt. It's the kind of doubt that stands between you between you and getting stuff done. So, for instance, I am uh, practicing Ashtanga Yoga. And I get an injury, <coughs> and now I am not sure if I should practice, so I stop practicing. It's that kind of doubt. Like it is not the doubt where I get I'm practicing Ashtanga Yoga, I get an injury, and then I go on my mat and I try to do the best I can, but I'm not quite sure if I should go this way or that way. That's a different kind of doubt. It is the doubt that um, prohibits you from moving towards what is essential. And what is it that's essential? Whatever keeps you doing yoga. Yeah, exactly. That's the, 
simple version of that. That's the one I was looking for. Thank you. All right. <clears throat> Whatever leads to samadhi. That's what we're talking about. The next one is um, inattention, automaticness of the mind, carelessness, inconsideration. Just like, like, if, like we all practice uh, asana. So if you go on your mat and you don't care, you just kind of like, eh. So we know that kind of practice doesn't work very well. And you might be able to jump back and do your back bends, but after a while you'll probably get some back pain. You might also fall over, so you'll end up on Chloe's mat and she falls over and breaks a tooth, you know, that kind of thing. So we're trying, like, so we, then it needs to be um, a, a consideration and care in uh, what we do. Yeah? Well, it's like if you walk into this yoga studio and everything is kind of dirty and the props lie around and the teacher is 10 minutes late, like I was yesterday, <laughs> and you know, and things like that. So that is like just inconsideration and inattentiveness. That is also a problem. Uh, mental laziness, <coughs> also, I don't know why that is so different from mental dullness, but you know, let's just, like just general laziness. I think one is more of the mind and one is more of the body. Yeah, laziness kind of like, nah, I'll just not practice. I'll just hang at home and have eggs instead and two <laughs> cups of coffee. So, um, The next one is attachment. Um, but attachment can, can be just fine. The problem is when they, we become dependent on our attachments, when we begin to crave these so much so they lead us away from, Jana, yoga, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you were perfect. No, you were just joking. Okay. So when we're talking about the, the attachment, we're really talking about cravings that we're dependent on. I must have a hot cup of tea every day. Therefore, I don't can't go out of my house because I can't get it anywhere. Like you know stuff like that. All right. The next one is misperception that we just get things wrong. The next one is an interesting one. It is the failure to create a foundation for the mind to concentrate is the failure to concentrate yeah we can kind of like all right let me learn number one uh sutra 130 viadis dhyana oh is that a bookmark you have over there yes. okay. oh where was it uh one twenty no one three all right viadis dhyana some something where did you get the bookmark you know it's like you know if you can kind of like get it together like that all right uh, the next one is also an interesting one. It is instability. It is the inability to hang on to what has already been established. It is losing what has been achieved. So it's like if you learn an asana and then you lose the asana again. It's like you learn the asana, oh, I can grab my heels in, in backbend. Very nice. And then, you know, a month later, you can't do it. So, you know, some people, they learn it, they do it forever. You know, they are, have the ability to stick to what is like to maintain what has been learned. Or it is like me, <coughs> I learn these uh, 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 sutras and then I don't use them for a couple of months. And then when I have to remember, like go back to them, it's like, oh man, I can't remember anything. Like, um, the, like memory doesn't stick. So make any sense? Okay, that's the other one. So the key word here, is um, antaraya. These are the, the antaraya, the distractions, and there's nine kinds. And 
when you are meeting them on your way it's very frustrating but it is to be expected yeah so <clears throat> and there is a uh, later we talk a little bit about the particular uh, remedy for that that uh, Patanjali suggests now so we have the distract the, the distractions they create a scattered mind or a scattered mind create distractions it goes both directions if there's no concentration there will be distractions if there's distractions there will be no concentration yeah um, so you can see if you go back to uh, sutra number 120 the one that was called Vyadisjana no not Vyadisjana something yeah but the one, um, 120, I think it was, Smriti Samadhi which is like where we spoke a little bit about that we need Srada, we need some kind of trust, we need some kind of faith uh, to go forward. Because if you don't have that, then all these distractions, they're gonna just like overwhelm you. So Srada Vidya Smriti Samadhi is already a great tool, not the final tool, we get to that in a moment, but already a great somewhat barrier or defense towards all of this, all of these distractions. Yeah? We're good? Okay. All right, let's go on. <clears throat> so, so these nine distractions, are they there or are they not there? That's a good question. So there are four symptoms which are giveaways to if the chitta is in the vikshepa state, if the mind is in the scattered state. So the first one is uh, a pain, mental, physical pain. The next one is that there is a frustration and perhaps even a sadness about it. The next one is that there is trembling of the body the body is unstable, there's trembling in the body. And the last one is that the breath is irregular, the breath is uneven. So when you're doing your asana <coughs> and you are in a state of distraction, then you will experience that your breath is not steady. And you will experience that there is going to be trembling in your body. And you will experience that there's going to be some, st some state of frustration and you will probably be in a, some state of dukkha which he which i just said was mental and physical pain some state of mild suffering or um so edwin bryant i had the pleasure of meeting him i think it was last year was it last year he was here april so almost a year ago so he had an interesting point he said the word dukkha is usually translated as suffering and he preferred a different word he said he liked the word unfulfilled and i thought that was a kind of like a really lovely word because it's a little bit closer it's not like suffering is like we think uh, the fans yes we are thinking about starving children in africa somehow when we hear suffering but unfulfillment is like yeah, there wasn't enough avocado on my avocado toast. It's <laughs> like it's a little different size kind of thing, so it's easier understandable somehow. Okay, so those are the four symptoms. Yeah. Oh, we didn't say the line yet. Sorry. Why don't you remind me that you're bad people? <coughs> okay. Let's uh, 
let's say 131. So it goes like this. Dukkha dhaumanasya anga major yadva svasa prasvasa vikshepa sahabhubaha. Repeat after me. Dukkha dhaumanasya anga you know that from ashtanga anga major yadva svasa prasvasa vikshepa saha puvaha vikshepa is scattered saha is everything puva is coming together so all the scattering is coming together yeah, it's a concentration of the scattering that sets us up for this yeah okay these are the symptoms when we start to feel these symptoms we know that we have met whether we are in the realm of the nine disturbances um, and that first and foremost that the shrata virya smriti samadhi is not really maybe as strong as is would be more helpful so we can work on that or we can wait a little bit and hear what he what other tool that Patanjali suggests uh, to fix this problem all right 132 where we are <coughs> so goes like this so here he's talking about what to do about it so what he says is that the remedy for chitta vikshepa is eka tattva abhyasa so you know what abhyasa is abhyasa means to practice is to train is to put your mind to eka tattva so tattva means thing it just means like a thing and eka means one you know that from ekam inhale to the exhale so eka tattva abhyasa ha means to practice um uh, practice the the mind in one thing so we say one-pointed mind or putting your mind at one object only not many objects which is why Patab Joyce he says you take it one yoga one teacher long time then Shanti coming you take it many yogas many teachers or crazy making <laughs> yeah so he says if your mind is scattered you are going to feel all these disturbances mm -hmm. like mental illness and confusion and stuff if you take and focus your mind on one thing then you will get chitta prasadhanam oh that comes next <laughs> yeah <coughs> so all right so the remedy is to train the mind to focus on a simple object uh, sorry on a single object whenever you want at will not when it happens by itself but at will like you need to have control over your mind to put it at one object and keep it there when you want it or when it's necessary which i think is why we learn advanced asana this is why we learn asana altogether because then we have to start to concentrate this is why we have the dristis this is why we put the 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 eye in one particular place and we don't deviate um, and it is all then when we can do that then we need more difficult asanas to keep our mind engaged because at some moment you can do jana asana a while you think about how poorly your mother treated you when you were 13 yeah but um, 
if then you get a more difficult asana, like jumping back, then you will forget about that very quickly. <laughs> yeah? Or that you have to grab your heels in backbend, you're not thinking. And you're going like, holy cow, I'm grabbing my hand. You know, so there's maybe three things. There's holy, there's cow, and then there's your ankles. But it's <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, so this cannot be underestimated. This is, this is the way to go. This is the entry. This is your ticket to ride. This is your ticket to it all. Okay? All right. Uh, so uh, I there's one little more detail about this. So uh, you can have a hobby, for instance. I, I am a hobby motorcyclist, and I go on that, and I forget everything. You know, it's like, yeah, it's like, I just like really like it. But it is not a state of um, um, expanded consciousness I am in. I'm just in, yeah. Yeah, so that is a different uh, ikatatva, yeah? So we're talking about an object that leads you towards yoga. You could also put your mind on creating the best hand grenade in the world. <laughs> and then you make this bomb, yeah? And then, then like you can kill so many people. That that is also a possibility. And it's not that kind of ikatatva we're talking about. You know, we're talking about ikatatva that moves towards the state of yoga. Yeah, the other things we would not recommend. <laughs> and um, the absorption that we get in sleep, for instance, um, is a state w of absence. It is a state of non-awareness. It is not that type of one-pointedness we are talking about that it is a one-pointedness that moves us towards yoga that that includes everything we've just learned yeah it's making sense that is important it is a method that brings inner awareness true knowing and transcendence as its support they kind of like to use that word here in this all right shall we go on the next one is a famous one, it's a, it's a popular one. <coughs> Maybe not famous, but at least popular. It's 133, and it says, Maitri karuna murito upekshanam sukha tukha punya apunya visayanam pavanataha chitta prasatanam. There was that word, chitta prasatanam. Repeat after me. <coughs> Maitri karuna murito upekshanam sukha Dukkha, Punya, Apunya, Visayanam, Pavanataha, Chitta, Prasadanam. Alright, so what this one, so there's a new word here, and it's Chitta Prasadanam. So Prasad means um, to uh, give you grace uh, somehow. It, uh, chitta Prasadanam means a mind, a Chitta, which is Prasadanam, which is peaceful which is enjoyable, which is nice. One where it's a state where you like to be. So in yoga, the best place you can be is in peace. If you are like to go to rave parties, then it might be different. But for the, uh, for the yogi, the ultimate place is peace. That is the happiness we're looking for. Why? Because it's a place where there's no friction, there's no struggle, there's no nothing. It's that kind of peace. You are at 
keys with everything. Yeah. Okay, so <clears throat> what he says here is that there are some inner um, stances, some inner mindsets, some inner attitudes that we can cultivate. And when we cultivate these, when these are within us, then things get generally a little bit better. We just feel better about more things. Um, and uh, because it gives us uh, peace, of, peace of mind. Um, he also says that, uh, and therefore Samadhi is easier achieved if we develop these attitudes. And it has to do with how we treat other people. So there are four attitudes that, we'd like to that we want to embody, that we want to cultivate towards our fellow man. Um, and then after that, we go into some, uh, we detail, we start to detail uh, some propositions of ikatattva. Uh, All right. But so the four uh, attitudes that helps us find chitta prasadhanam is one friendliness. So what it means is friendly friendliness or love or appreciation for the happy. So, so you might say, yeah, that is easy. But it's there of course it's easy to be happy when you're with happy people. But it's not so easy to be happy for other people's happiness if you feel really shitty yourself. Yeah? So um, um, for instance in uh, December, uh, someone my motorcycle was parked here and someone hit it. Boom! Then it has to go to the hospital. <coughs> or they has to go to the garage. So it's in the garage there. I don't like I wasn't on it. Nothing nothing happened and then my friend he came in his lovely motorcycle and, he, and then he was like so happy I said how are you doing he's like yeah I'm so happy I'm driving around my motorcycle and I was like mm. <laughs> I was the one to be in my motorcycle but you know what I mean in that kind of situation it's very easy to just be like I wish also your motorcycle got pushed over <laughs> yeah so um it is that situation where we kind of want to like uh, allow other people to have good luck, you know, and good faith, good, you know, you know what I mean, like enjoyment in their life. And then the second one is compassion towards those who suffer. And that can be a difficult one. Um, we spoke a little bit about it yesterday. It's easy to have compassion to someone that suffers if, for instance, they take our advice. Or if we have nothing to do with him. Here's a homeless man that's sleeping on a bridge. And we drive by in our Mercedes. We say, oh, poor man. And then we go and have kaffa latte. It's super easy, right? But it's really difficult to have compassion if I, if I see that so is really uh, suffering. But her kind of suffering is this kind of suffering where she is yelling at me with anger. Because she's so upset inside. She has so much pain inside. She's yelling at me. I don't like the way your nose sits in your face, Tim. And it's like, that is not fair. Yeah? So then it's kind of hard. It's very much easy to say, well, if you too. Yeah? <laughs> but so this is where we're trying not to do that. We're trying to find compassion for when we see suffering in whatever form it is. <coughs> so the next one is um, goodwill to those towards those who are virtuous, lucky, and talented. So that's a little bit like what we're talking about also there with friendly. So when people are, you know, rich and famous and everything works out for them and we can't even pay our bill, it's hard to have um, uh, 
compassionate uh, and friendly and goodwill towards them. Yeah, it can be a little bit difficult. And the last one <coughs> that he's talking about is equanimity. It's a sense of neutrality towards people who are just plain bad. You know, you meet people who just want bad for you. So, uh, and they are coming at you. You know, for instance, Astro, the sweet one here at my Center. So she's at front desk and people come in and they have bought like some classes last year and now they found it in a the little class card in a in a, a drawer and now they would like to have their money back because they haven't used that and then they will come in they will tell us to with crazy things you know and if you don't want to give her them the money back they treat her really really bad you know that's part of her job yeah. to get that so she's gonna have to just remain professional and not take on all the offense and insult that comes to her. Does that make any sense? So that's in a kind of professional setting, but that's also um, in a personal setting. You're just gonna have to when there's people that want to really bad from you. Yeah, we are not supposed to like go bad back. We're supposed to <laughs> stay clean of that. Yeah. So when we can do that, when we don't get upset by other people's states in one way or another um, because they're too happy because they suffer because they are virtuous and talented or because they are wicked and when we can stay clean of when that doesn't affect our state of mind then what do we have we have a quietness inside we have a, a prasad type of chitta we have a chitta prasadanam we have a comfortable residing inside yeah making sense so this is all very simple you can see how it's like oh yeah that makes sense now for me when I started to read this I was like I looked for this mystical secret in everything and then when I met professor Rao he just started to say no it's just like if you're not bothered by someone telling you you look ugly, then you're gonna be feel better. It's like, oh yeah. Well, did I really need to practice yoga 20 years to understand that? You know, so it has such a clean kind of uh, logic on some level. Okay. So this sutra also does this. It gives us some tools. It gives us some suggestions that hopefully that intends that hopefully prepares us to begin um, a more subtle type of mindset that we can move into a more subtle type of practice yeah and that more subtle type of practice is chitta, pr chitta prasadanam that we can remain in this comfortable zone for ourselves not like because we close down the world but because we are literally able to not latch on to other people's all right, and it is considered that I thought I turned the sound off. Okay, so uh, it is considered that Chitta Prasadanam is instrumental to move into a state of samadhi. Yeah, because it, like we had talked about steadiness, so there must be steadiness. So if every time someone comes at you with either being happy or being angry, or and if that messes with you, then how can you go into samadhi? It's not going to be possible. All right. 
Good. So the next thing that he comes to here, uh, Patanjali, is he starts to talk about ways that we can practice uh, ikatatla, uh, ways of ikatatla abhyasaha. So that is 134. So the first one goes like this. Prachartana vitharana apyam va pranasya. So repeat after me. Prachartana vitharana apyam va pranasya. Very good. So that first one, it talks about the breath. It talks about prachartana, and prachartana means the same as rechaka and puraka, which means inhale and exhale. We ha also had it a little bit earlier, svasa prasvasa also means inhale and exhale. In that way, Sanskrit, just like English, has different words for the same thing. Like, you know, sometimes you have a house and a building, same word for the same thing, more, more or less. All right, so what he says here, and you can maybe see that again we have this word, ba, that we also had in the Ishvara Sutras. So he says, you can do this or, you can do this or, you can do this or. <coughs> so what he says, you can focus on the breath. You can take the object of the breath as your support for your Chitta Prasasadana. That is a possibility. Later, he goes into what that means, what is it exactly that we are doing with the breath that is helpful. So that is 134. The next one he suggests is 135. What a surprise. It says, Vishayavati va pravritihi utpana manasaha stitini pandani. So repeat after me. Vishayavati va pravritihi utpana manasaha Stiti Nipandani. Okay, so that one is uh, you can focus on um, internal sense stimuli that moves inside your body. Internal senses. So, have ev any of you ever done one of these, uh, for instance, a Vipassana meditation? retreat this is like 10 days things where you sit all day and you don't speak to anybody mm -hmm. so there is a certain kind of uh, meditations where you go inside and you see what is there <coughs> and it would be physical but it could also be mental emotional could be either mental emotional a little more difficult so first you just sit there in a position of your choice and then you just see how you feel you do that for 10 days yeah, and then you like you go through the body to not just like so it's not like this this part speaking to you all the time. So you like you just kind of scan through your body from your uh, the top of your your head, and then you just keep scanning down, and you're present with every bit, present with every bit to see how you feel. And you don't really think, oh, I have tension there. Let me re release the tension. Okay, now I feel better. That's not what it's about. So it's just like, oh, I have tension there. Oh, I have feel very nice there. Oh, I feel very horrible there. Oh, I eat way too much. I can't breathe. Oh, you know, like whatever the sensation is, sensation is, you go and you keep going. So that is a classic uh, type of. Um, it's called multifocal, actually, uh, because you shift your attention but you go one thing one thing one thing and at this in this moment we we stay within the sensory awareness that's one example of that asana practice also that 
Yeah, we keep going through like the body like that, same way. Oh, then you end up with the devil. Very wrong. <laughs> Just joking. No problem. <laughs> wrong direction. No. Okay. <coughs> okay. One thirty-six. Vishokava Jotismati. That's a little bit like an annoying one. <laughs> so um, he says here, uh, Jotis means light. So he and uh, shoka means pain, so or, or affliction, and vi means with. So what he is saying here is like, if you have pain, that will go away if you're full of light inside. It's like awesome. Thanks for that. I'm not full of light. Like so, what I do about that? <laughs> so that's one interpretation of that. Another interpretation of that is to create, cultivate light inside, and the and the the shoka will dissipate. Yeah. I think that's what I have to do. So the light state is, of course, the sattvic state. So if we start to break it down like that, it's the sattvic state. So that is where there's peacefulness, there's quietness, there's, there is quiet, calm, silent, conscious awareness. Yeah? So we're, like, we're bringing that state in, in which way we can. You know how you can, yeah, before you practice, you come in and you feel kind of like, eh, and then you do your practice and it's a good day. Mm -hmm. And then when you finish and you lie down in Savasana and you're like... And you're like, yeah, man. I would you get like one of those practices a year, if you're lucky, maybe. <laughs> yeah, the other time you're just like, oh, I have to go to work. But um, so like that kind of thing. So <coughs> what I'm trying to say is that there are practices that brings that about. And what he suggests here is that you can move towards bringing that type of sattvic state into your body. Yeah. Or if you just have that, that's also good. <coughs> I don't. Okay. 137. The next one. Um, or Vitaraga Vishayamba Chittam. Repeat after me. Vita. Vita. Raga. Vishayam. Vachittam. So, um, raga means desire or craving. So, uh, freeing yourself from cravings. Um, detaching yourself from the paradigm of attraction and aversion of about raga and dvesha, that means attraction and aversion. Freeing yourself from dependency and attachment to whatever. Why? Because when we are, yes, so that he's talking about renunciation. We are back in Vairakya here. Yeah, we are back in uh, 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 detachment, non-attachment. Because there is this uh, concept, believe in yoga and Vedanta, that <coughs> cravings is kind of like the, uh, at the very epicenter of everything that, uh, of suffering. So, and it goes like this, when there's something you want, there's a strong desire, that is the same. When you need that to happen, then very commonly it doesn't happen. You're not going to get what you want. And even if you get what you want, it's not quite what you want. So that uh, leads to a state of dissatisfaction or anger. When there is anger, there is a loss 
of um, uh, mental control. When there's a loss of mental control, there is a loss of logical uh, thinking. When there's a loss of logical thinking, by definition, you've got madness. So where there's desire, there is madness. So that is not a very good, you know, turnaround. Does that make sense? So therefore, if you want to not go, go crazy, if you want to not be angry, if you not want to not be all of that, then you have to sit in from the beginning of starting to thin your dependency on whatever you depend upon. Yeah? Okay. Did we say it? Yes, we did. So you can see how that makes your mind steady also. How that starts to bring in more Prakita Prasadhanam. I hope. Alright, the next one is a weird one. It's a 138. It's called Yana Alambana Ba. That's it. Let's repeat repeat after me. Swapna Nidra Jnana Alambana Ba. Good, yeah, so, so alambana means support, nidra means sleep, jnana means um, knowledge, and svapna also means deep sleep, um, like dreamless sleep. Um, so what he says is here is that um, you can attain that quiet chitta prasadhanam, that pre-state to samadhi, from um, with uh, dreamless uh, sleep as your uh, ikatapa, as your object of uh, focusing your mind. Now I have no idea what it means and um, I have never tried it and um, it seems to be a, a thing, an experiential thing and uh, I have not found any literature with uh, Edwin Bryan's book that's in here or through my dear professor that is kind of able to like take me into that. But one thing that um, what I understand is that this has nothing to do with dream analysis. This is not about dreams, because that is not a deep state of sleep. Um, that is a rajastic movement in the mind. Yeah, that is just, just vrittis running in the mind. So it is not about dreams, and it's not about analyzing your, your dreams. If any of you have any idea about this, please write me an email. <laughs> Did, were you about to... Yeah, you, say I have no idea. Is it for people that is not able to sleep well? <coughs> no, I think it is like you, like, I, it, it, my own interpretation, <coughs> my own speculation is that it's like a mystical thing, that by going into a deep state, like it's almost like a meditative state, you can like draw, you know, like I think like from Jung, Jungian uh, psychology, they ask, you know, they work with sleep and how you can um, analyze your, your dreams and by that you can get information about who you are and your uh, mind states. So I think it's like, I assume it's something like that. You know, that you can maybe see God, you know, in that state or something. Yeah, lucid dreaming is really what's happening. It's like they walk you through and you explore the yes. dream, you know, path that you're finished. Mm -hmm. Yes, except, except it's not about dreams. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
So I, you, mu I, you must excuse me. I have no idea what this is about. <coughs> All right. So let's hurry on to 139, which I know a lot about. No, I'm kidding. So, yatapimata <coughs> So, for those of you who maybe are familiar with the eight limbs of Ashtanga Yoga, we know you know that the second last uh, anga is tiana. So now we're talking about tiana here. So repeat after me: yata, apimata, tiana, va. Very good. So, um, so this is maybe my favorite one. It's also a little confusing one because he says all these are great, all these things that he suggested, and it's I think it's propositions uh, that uh, it's propositions that he's giving. And then this final one, he says, or put your mind at anything of your liking. <laughs> so like, yeah, that's great. I will have lots of coffee from now on. I call that my <laughs> practice, right? So that might not be exactly what he means, but. So he says, yes, no doubt that meditation must be done. No, no doubt that Ekatatva Abhyasa must be done. But you can choose. And basically, he's, I think uh, he's trying to be a little kind here and acknowledge that there's different kind, different strokes for different folks. Some people like Sashtanga Yoga. Some people like Yoga Nidra. Some people like, don't like yoga at all. They like to read or they like to uh, sit only or they like to uh, pray to God or they like to do something else. So he basically gives us the option of figuring out what is my preferred tool to move into the direction of yoga, to cultivate yoga. Like I have been teaching uh, this, uh, practicing Ashtanga Yoga for a long time, and I have met many students and many uh, fellow practitioners. And I have met people that was not very good at this that has continued and do it and does it for to this day and I met people that was very good at it that has continued and does it and do it to this day I met people that are uh, that was very good at this that did it for a season and then they were out of this again because of some reason this was not for them and the same thing I met people that was not very good at this that just was here for a season so you know ability and stuff has nothing to do with whether you pick up Ashtanga Yoga it's like it's a shtanga yoga for you that you have to figure out uh, somehow. And I think what he's trying to say here is like there's not one method. There's like all roads, or many roads lead to Rome. Yeah, it's a kind, it's a kind uh, way. Just figure out what works for you, man. But please figure it out. You must figure it out. Okay. Um, so it like. So this ties into the next one. So he says, he says it can be like anything. It can be small or big. It can keep be green or blue. It can be effortful or or surrendered. It can be many things like that. So, um, but what is the result? So that comes to the next one, 140. So that goes like this: Paramanu, Paramamahadva, Antosya, Vashikaraha. So repeat after me: Paramanu. Parama, Mahat, Tvanto, Tvantosya, sorry, Vashikaraha. 
So there's two ways that uh, I understand that we can uh, interpret this uh, uh, sutra. And one is as the result and one the other one is as the method. So, and I was just talking about the method. So therefore you can uh, put your ekatadva on the smaller thing or you can put it on the biggest thing. That is one thing. That is one way to uh, understand this. The other way uh, that commentators comment on this is that they say that when you are doing your ekatadva, you will get knowing, true knowing about anything, small or big. So he's talking about um, uh, uh, a manu is an atom. A paramanu is this the ultimate, the tiniest atom. So. Um, and parama is the ultimate, the biggest, the most. So he says, you by doing ikatadva, you can gain knowledge. You can gain knowing, like knowing as in specific knowing, not as general knowing, as in you know what it is to be that. It, you become that, so to speak. Um, so therefore you know the sensation, you know the emotions, that means to be the tiniest little atom or to be the full universe. Yeah, that that is available to you through this methodology of ekatatva abhyasaha. Yeah, so that's these two interpretations of it, and I think they kind of agree that they can go both ways. Okay, so from here he returns into detailing the meditate the four meditative states that we talked about yesterday. The um, what were they? They were. Uh, Savitarga, Nirvitarga, Savichara, and Nirvichara. Yeah? So he's going back into those. <coughs> and um, the sutra goes like this, number 41. Kshina vrite abhijya tashyeva maner grahitri grahana grahyesu tatstatat anjanata samapadhi. Repeat after me. Kshina vrite abhijya tashyeva. Maner, Grahitri, Grahana, Grahyesu, Tatstatat, Anjanata, Samapadi. Alright, so Samapadi again is Sampragnata Samadhi, Sabija Samadhi, the state of union with seat, with Samskaras. Yeah? So, um, and it's kind of the next level of ekatattva that samapati, so this state samapati, this complete absorption, that means sabija samadhi, that means samadhi, that, mean, the, um, that, that is the same word, that this deep absorption state, this complete absorption uh, state, that is possible when the mind is clear, completely clear. And the uh, analogy that he brings up here is like a diamond. So samapati is possible, there's three ways to again understand this. Samapati is possible when the mind is clear like a diamond. So therefore we must do our ikatattva to clean up, to clean up, to clean up. Then we could also say that the uh, action of samapati cultivates a mind which is clear as a diamond. So it's like you can see it from one side and from the other side. And finally, you c what we're talking about here is that samapati is somewhat measured by whether the mind is clear, is clean, is pure. 
when there's a certain purity in the mind, we say you are in the samapati state, you are in the samadhi state, you are in the state of union, you are in the state of yoga. And the comparison is a diamond, we spoke a little bit about it yesterday, that uh, when the buddhi is in a state of pure um, uh, purity, clarity, like a diamond, then it can reflect Purusha completely. That's the moment we can understand Purusha. I, I, I don't know much about diamonds, but you know, they have these like, what are they called, inclusions? Like imperfections. So if there's an imperfection, then it will distort what's behind. So let's say you put a rose behind, then the rose will be clearly um, displayed, is that the right word, in the diamond. But if there's an inclusion, then there'll be like, <coughs> then the, the rose will look strange. Yeah? So that is the same in the mind. So if the mind is completely clear with no inclusions and no imperfections, <coughs> no disturbances, then whatever is being reflected from Prakriti or from Purusha will stand clear, which means that now it is true what is standing. But if the mind is not clear, if there is an imperfection, then whatever is reflected in it will be untrue will be incorrect, will not, we will not be able, will be false knowing. Does that make sense? That's the idea. So we're trying to make the mind uh, uh, clear like this. And what we say is that when the mind is free from the vritis, and the samskaras and the kleshas and the disturbances, then it functions as a crystal. And now we're getting close. Now we're getting close to like letting go of the body, you know, and whoo, and be deha, and hang out with these other guys in the air. <laughs> okay. All right. So now comes. Uh, four or five sutras which I would like to go over very quickly because they oh there's some other things that um, maybe I should just say one little detail because that's like what he really talks about in this so he's in this uh, 41 he says grahitri grahana grahiesu and what he's talking about is the seer or the knower is what uh, it's, it's called here the the instrument of seeing and the object of seeing, the, the knower, the instrument of knowledge, and the object of knowledge. So what he's talking about, that, like that we begin to understand what is what. And this is the conjunction that we were talking about yesterday. So when we see something, I think it is Tim who sees this. And when I drink it, I think it's Tim that experiences this. But that is, uh, that is the misidentification, that is the conjunction. So what we begin when the mind is like a crystal what we begin to see is who is the experiencer who is the seer who is the one that knows and who is that that is my purusha that is that is like way back there purusha is the one who truly knows who is it <coughs> that is the instrument of knowledge who is it that the sees and experiences this is my prakriti, prakriti. but that's not who i really am that's just the manifestation that I am living in. And then finally, the object of knowledge is the teacher. Yeah. So then we start to 
figure out what is the what. And like they, the Indians, uh, philosophical dudes, philosophers, they love to talk about that. Like there are so many texts that they keep coming back to this thing about who is the knower and who is not the knower and what's the instrument of knowing and what is to be known. They keep going there. It's like big deal. The object of knowledge is the object that the what you put your ikatatva on. Ikatatva. Is it, uh, the it is the purusha. thing. So, so the first is the purusha. The knower is the purusha, mm -hmm. the one that truly knows, mm -hmm. om omniscience. And the instrument is your prakriti, is your body, your senses, and your mind. And the the thing that is to be known is whatever it is you choose to experience. Yeah? Okay, so the next one, so what we're talking about, so from 42 till 45, we are talking about Savitarka and Nirvitarka and Savichara and Nirvichara, which we spoke about earlier also. S and here he goes a little bit more deeper into that, and I would just like not to do that. I would like to just go quickly over that at all. We spoke a little bit about it yesterday. But let's recite the sutra. So the first, number 42, goes like this. Tatra shaptarta jnana bikalpahi sankirna sarvitarka samapatihi. So repeat after me. Tatra shaptarta jnana bikalpahi sankirna sarvitarka samapatihi. 43. Smriti parishuttao svarupa sunyeva artamatar nirpasa nirvitarkaha. Smriti parishuttao svarupa sunyeva arta martra nirpasa nirvitarkaha. Eta yeva savichara nirvichara cha suksma vishaya vyakya tam. Eta yeva savichara nirvichara cha sukshma visaya vyakyatam. Next one. Sukshma visaya chalinga sukshma visayatvam chalinga apariyavasanam. Sukshma visayatvam chalinga pariya. Avasanam. Okay. So what these go, they go deeper into the whole idea about um, uh, Savitarga is when there is um, an understanding that includes the labeling of the object and not only the object itself that talks about when word and notion is present and blah, 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 and stuff like that. And I'll just roll over that if you don't mind. Uh, also, I'm not very good in explaining that thing. I think it's very confusing. Okay, so... Um, and what he says is that through these states in 45, through these states, when you come to the Nirvichara state, then you have cultivated a mind that is so subtle, so now you can reach all the way up to the f foundational building blocks of Prakriti. What is that? What are the building blocks of Prakriti? What is the periodic table of the yogis? 
The gunas, the trigunas. Rajas, tamas, sattva. Right? Okay. <clears throat> Good. Okay. We're getting close, and I'm a little. Do you have a little more time? It doesn't work with this one hour thing, does it? No, two hours. Yeah. I thought I was going to be able to do that. Okay, 147. Um, so. Okay, so then when the last stage of samadhi, when we have created a mind that is so subtle, so formless, so. Yeah, so subtle and formless, so it like, it reaches beyond uh, my identi identification with the world and myself as matter. Then, what is there then? What come then? What is that, that we are reaching uh, then? And the next sutra talks about that, and it's forty-seven and says nirvichara vaishara dye dhyatma prasada ha. So nirvichara. Vaishara Dye. Vaishara Dye. Adya. Vaishara. One moment. Nirvichara Savara Dye. Dya Atma. Dya Atma. Prasadaha. Thank you very much. So, what we are talking about here is Vaishara Dya, which means expertise. So, new word here is expertise. So when we are having this kind of subtlety of mind, then we become experts. We gain expertise. We gain expert knowledge. So when mastering nirvichara, um, which is a state where the mind is undisturbed by the nine disturbances, the four symptoms, and the five obstacles. We'll get to the five obstacles later. Then the yogi gets luminescence. What is it called? Luminescence? Illuminated. Illuminescence or whatever, right? <laughs> Clarity. He gets enlightenment. He is now at a place where the crystal is without inclusions. And uh, the sattvic state is a fact. And what is being... Uh, presented for it is seen for what it is and nothing else. There is no filter, there is no imperfection that distorts the image. It is clean, direct, experiential knowledge. Yeah? Wow. <laughs> yeah? All right. Good. Um, 148. <coughs> Ritambara tatra prajna. Repeat after me. Ritam para tatra prajna. So in this state, there is only wisdom. And there's only wisdom of the kind that is true wisdom. There's nothing else. It means, like I think I just said it, that whatever is presented is experienced in its and reflected back to the knower in its true form. There's nothing else. You are now living in a state where everything you experience is truth. There's no interpretation going on here in this state. There's no, I think it's this. There's no doubt. There's no question about it. It is just, it is what it is. So if you, for instance, this I mentioned before, the Vipassana, uh, 
method of meditation by Goyenga, their tagline is seeing things the way they are. This is what he's talking about. Yeah, it's like, it's extremely ambitious. Yeah? I don't know. I have never been, when I started to do the yoga, like, and I, I was never very interested in becoming enlightened. I had friends that was like, really want to become enlightened. I was like, I don't know what to do with that idea. And then at some moment I read this Ritambara Pragna Tatara Ritambara Tatara Pragna. It's like at this state there is only what it is. There is no doubt. I was like, wow, is that what it means to be enlightened? Or I also want to be enlightened. It's like because I always overthink everything, and I'm always like, I really like John, but does John really like me? I think he does, but yesterday he said something like that, you know. You know, so it's like I'm always kind of back and forth like, oh, I really need coffee. Should I have coffee? You know, and I'm like always like that. So if I could get out of that kind of indecisive state, or as my friend says, am I indecisive? Like <laughs> so, <coughs> so if I could get out of that state, I'll take it, man. All right, so the next one is uh, 149, and it goes like this. Sruta anuma pragna pyam anya vishaya vishesa arthatvate. Repeat after me. Sruta anumana, sorry, sruta anumana pragna pyam anya vishaya vishesa arthatvate. Okay, where are we? So, this is number 49. Uh, good. Oh, what happened here? Okay, uh, uh, 49 says, <coughs> So now, like I mentioned that before, we know things in their specific form and not in their detailed form. We don't doesn't know it from just hearing about it or reading about it, which is sruta, all the texts, uh, the uh, the uh, what's it called the Vedas and the Upanishads they are called also the Shrutis Shruti means to hear Sharat's wife is called Shruti that is the one that is um, that knows how to hear has understood the true knowledge yeah so <coughs> um, so this is not just Anu uh, from the Shrutis. It's not just following the the what we have heard and read. This is, that will be general information. This is specifically, we know, we, now we have come to knowing about it. We could have wrote it. Yeah, we know it on, on we know something on that level. Uh, we feel it, we, um, yeah, so forth. Yeah, is it making sense? Good, all right. Um. All right, <coughs> number 50. Tatya samskaro niya samskara pratipandihi. So, tatya samskaro niya samskara pratipandihi. So, um, so here's an interesting little uh, deviation. So we've been talking about samskaras and how they obstruct, you know, our view. And like I was using this example <coughs> and 
how good samskaras and bad samskaras, good patterning and bad patterning can be there. Now, when we come to this uh, state, there's a new type of samskaras, and they are obstructive samskaras. Obstructive as in they are able to set all the bad samskaras, like all the other samskaras, out of play. Yeah, so they're kind of like the defense system that makes sure that the mind maintains its clarity. All right, that there's not new samskaras that comes in. It's like they're guarding, that making sure that everything is being eliminated. I suppose it's kind of like the immune system. Yeah, so you get a disease in. Linda, she has a cold. She comes over, she gives me a hug. It's a nice hug, but I get a little bit of Linda's cold also. And then my, it comes into my system, and then my immune system says, in with Linda, out with Linda's cold. And then they kind of like eat it up. Something like that? You're like, really? <laughs> yes. Okay. Sorry, guys. <coughs> All right. <coughs> the last one, 51, is... Tasya api nirodahe sarva nirodaha nirbijaha samadhi. Repeat after me. Tasya api. Tasya api nirodahe sarva nirodaha nirbijaha samadhi. So here we have that word again, nirbija, which is without seat. So um, what this one talks about is it says that <coughs> when we have come to this state, um, and upon, uh, as he mentions here, when even the samskaras that can lock out the, the other samskaras, when even they start to disappear, then we come to the very final state of Nibhijya. So now we are at a state where there are no more patterns. There is not patterns that, that comes and restrains samadhi. There is not counter patterns that make, make sense that they don't happen anymore. Now we, the, the patterns, the samskaras that comes in that, that restricts us from, uh, from experiencing uh, samadhi, they don't come anymore. And the immune defense that at for a while had been coming in to offset the incoming samskaras, even those are gone. All is gone. At this moment, there are no clashes, no samskaras, no actions, no karma, nothing is there. At this moment, there is no seat and at this to come back. There is no lifeline to come back to Prakriti. And so that lifeline would be the last samskaras. Now that lifeline has been cut. And now there is just nothing. Yeah? Now the soul is free. This is in the last chapter where the Buddhists ah, have to be careful here because I don't haven't studied this. But as far as I understand, this is where the, the Buddhist says, yes, then you've got sunya, which is nothing. There's nothing now. This is the end. There's nothing after that. And this is where the Vedantics and the uh, Patanjali comes in and says, yes, there is the soul and there is the Purusha. And the Buddhist says, what? 
How did you come to that conclusion? And the Ibarra. <laughs> it's not a special. Yeah. This is where the deviate. <coughs> where because we have this permanent Purusha principle that is soul, that is God, that is Godhead. Um, in Vedanta, in Patanjali, a theistic point of view, and then you have the Buddhists that say, no, that is not that, at this final stage. And you then, then you can ask yourself, is that important? No. And then you ask Patanjali and, and you say, is that important? And he says, no, but it's useful to hang on to that idea as you are progressing. And I think the Buddhists would also agree, which is why they have statues of Buddha everywhere and in many different forms. They have one that's about compassion, they have one that's about karuna, uh, friendliness, uh, sorry, um, anyway, that is karuna, um, maitri, about friendliness and so forth. They have different shapes of that. Why? So we can latch on to that as a helpful device for a while to go deeper into the qualities that it takes to have bodhisattva mind, Buddha, Buddha mind. Yeah? And the same thing here, we can use the uh, notion of a Godhead to move us along. And they just believe here that there is a Godhead. That's just the difference. Yeah? All right, so that is the definition of the last stage of Sabija Samadhi, Nirbija Samadhi, the enlightened, the fully enlightened stage. Uh, and that's that. And that's book number one. Yeah. So, um, and that's called Samadhi Pada. And what it means is this is the chapter that talks about what yoga is. So you can hear he's also talked a little bit about, so when he talks about what yoga is, he's also talking about what goes into creating and cultivating yoga. He's also going into that. Now, after this, we go into Sadhana Pada, and that is the chapter on Sadhana, on practice on how, how to work with all this stuff. And that we start off tomorrow. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Thank you for your patience with me. Sorry that I keep going over time. I can't, and as I told you from the beginning, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no clear structure. I don't know how long it takes. So, oh, that's, thank you. I am indebted to you. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to Chat and Chai Yoga Talks from Miami Life Center. This was the third episode out of a six-part lecture series on the Yoga Sutras that Tim gave during one of his workshops back in March. He will be giving a similar workshop again in November, this coming fall, a six-day Mysore intensive with afternoon lectures. So if you're interested in learning more from Tim or practicing with him, you can find more information and sign up on our website, miamilifecenter.com, and we have a workshops tab. Another opportunity to practice and learn from Tim is this summer we have our Ashtanga Practitioners Intensive. It's a one-month course where we basically practice and study and learn all day, every day for a month. It's a lot of fun and it's also really hard, but um, there's a lot to learn from Tim and from Kino and we have some of our Miami Life Center teachers also teaching in this course. Uh, we also bring in some teachers from outside, Chase Bazart. Uh, he teaches a portion on the Bhagavad Gita. 
Um, but Tim is going to be teaching the portion on the Yoga Sutras, actually. So if you'd like to learn the Yoga Sutras a little bit more in depth from Tim, this is a really good opportunity. Uh, if you're interested in that, there's more information on our website also, and we have a separate tab called API. You can find more information there and everything you need to know about applying for the program. It's this summer. It's kind of soon, uh, June 14th through July 14th. But we have a few spots left. So if you want to reach out with any questions, you can reach out directly to me. My email is monica, M-O-N-I-C-A, at miamilifecenter.com. And if not, we'd love to have you come practice with us anytime, just dropping into some of our classes, into our Meister classes or into our guided classes. That would be it would be really awesome to have you there. Uh, we love having people from all over the world come and practice with us. It always makes us really happy. And that's it. If you have any questions, if you have any suggestions, we love to hear from you always. So reach out. Namaste.